everybody. Before we dig into today's podcast, I hope everyone is doing well. Artists, photographers, neon makers, vendors, shop owners. If you just love neon and if one day you hope to own your own sign, whoever you are, I hope you're all okay during these trying times. Number two is our merch. If you ever wanted to wear something with the intent to feature neon front and center, it's online. Hit merch on the main nav on the site and so on. And last, text us, 917-565-9616. Love to hear from the community, general thoughts, musings, and or whoever we should have on the show. Whatever it is, hit us up, and here is your podcast. Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, neon, helium, xenon, krypton. Transform and roll out. Max with Mondo Neon. I'm with Laura Stevenson, artist, neon artist. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And Laura, your design and fabrication work really uh, has taken you down a few different paths. I'm excited. I think, Laura, your work is really exciting. Kind of crosses a lot of boundaries, specifically for me. Um, I've always been a big fan of design work. We talk a lot about different types of neon artwork and, and things like that and definition of what exactly design is. I mean, there's a lot of technical things that happen, but there's um, an interesting kind of scope of what you do with your work. Um, you have a, a, a comp, you know, a group or, or, you know, your company that you, you've built up called Right Guy Design, um, doing a lot of interior work, visual arts work, industrial work. Um, it's all really fantastic stuff. What exactly, you know, kind of, where did you get that that kind of instantaneous moment where you said, you know, I want to put neon out there. I want to be doing this, uh, this type of work in this particular setting. Was there kind of, um, kind of an aha moment for you when it comes to this stuff? That is an interesting question. I think it happened pretty organically. Um, I had been working I can pinpoint the exact moment when I realized I was going to work with neon for the first time. And it was back in 2014. Um, and somebody I know through, you know, the circle of small business owners in my neighborhood, um, Eileen Rinaldi, she owns a coffee shop and roastery called ritual. And, um, she approached me and said, Hey, do you want to pitch me some ideas for a lighting installation in my cafe remodel? And I was working full time and then some like more than four, well over 40 hours a week uh, at a fabrication shop doing design build stuff, um, already using a lot of different materials and a lot of different fabrication processes, you know, all stuff we did in house. Um, I was doing design and project management and also depending on what we were exactly up to different types of fabrication, you know, wood shop, metal shop, what have you, foam carving, you know, CNC stuff. So I was already really used to working with different materials. And in my head, it was more like generate some ideas for Eileen's light installation, but it wasn't so much like out of this or out of that, you know? So I started just coming up with different concepts and, you know, we sat down, had some coffee, looked at a stack of pencil sketches and um, I had a favorite and she chose it as her favorite without me saying anything, which is like a total magic moment with a, a client, you know? Uh, almost, I feel almost never happens. And when it does, it's like, 
I don't know, like a sunbeam from heaven, you know, just like perfect. So it was this piece that later became what I named the neon cloud. And it's this sort of like suspended arcs of neon, like free hanging in a sort of scattered presentation over where um, the baristas make the coffee that she serves everybody. So she gravitated towards that concept. I loved it. And she was sort of like, well, what do you think it's made of? And I was like, well, I'd love to use neon if you're up for that, you know? And she was like, I love neon. I've always wanted a neon thing. And so immediately there was this chemistry. And from there, you know, I knew just enough about neon to know that I couldn't do it myself, um, that I needed to find somebody to do the glass fabrication. And so I just started cold calling neon shops, you know, from Google. And that was my first introduction to actually talking with two benders in the world, just on the phone, sort of explaining my idea. You know, every so often somebody would let me send the email with the idea, but usually when they, when I explained it by phone, they were like, oh man, here's somebody who like has never worked with neon, wants <laughs> to do something crazy. Like this is going to be a nightmare, you know? Well, what, what's, I was curious, and, like uh, the attention yeah. of artists that go through a lot of these changes, you know, they kind of think to themselves, okay, they like to use neon. Any, I guess, um, what was the structure for that? Like, did you flip through kind of the internet or did somebody give you a, a pass on where to go? Cause that's always a fun story. I always like to know because yeah. some, some artists complain about, well, I don't know what to do about this. And sort of they sit on an idea and then it just sits there and doesn't go anywhere just because they kind of get stuck in the mode of, yeah. I know somebody, I got to figure this out myself, you know? Which yeah. Is thing, right? That is, I mean, what happened to me and I couldn't be luckier is Shauna Peterson you know, answered the phone and was like, oh yeah, I've done free hanging, you know, un like unfixtured glass. She's like, especially the shape you're talking about, those arcs, that'll work. You can do it. Send me your drawings, you know, and she basically was my entry point. Um, as far as like getting other artists to bridge that gap, if people ever ask you about that, I am so happy to like DM with people about it. And I have a bunch of tips and tricks. Um, like how I just to, think it's a cool story how you got with her and yeah recognize what you know finding somebody who can take your idea and sort of realize it is, is is pretty much where it's at and I just think it's great that you kind of got to a place where you said you know hey I'm gonna jump in there but but I think I need somebody to support me in that I think a lot of neon artists or people who listen to the show who may want to do neon it may be a great great entry point to just sort of find somebody who's been doing it long enough and to kind of maybe purchase work from work you know, works from within and then oh yes you you know develop their craft right <laughs> definitely I think um you know that's the path that I fell into but I would so recommend that as a like if if somebody out there is an artist and they're interested in working with neon um go find a tube bender in your in your community and bring them a project and hire them to to fabricate it for you. And um, I feel like if you, you know, if you're like, I'm, I was already by this point because of my professional work, like pretty used to dealing with different kinds of vendors for specialized skilled trades. So I already kind of knew the like, okay, be respectful of their time and be organized and, you know, try to like keep things tidy. And um, 
And if you can do that as an artist and just kind of remember like this person is, you know, they're at work, they've got a bunch of jobs on deck. And if you can find a way to communicate with them, that's just like clear and um, effective and, you know, and get them to build your thing for you. And, you know, hopefully you guys hit it off and they even let you lurk around a little. That's what happened to me. And it was really my entry point. Um, Cause if you can kind of watch somebody bending the glass, you know, and it, it's definitely good to go look it up on YouTube and everything. I recommend that too, just so you have a feel for what you're asking the person and the material to do, you know, but um, yeah, if you can hang out and in someone's tube bending shop and actually watch them, I think, I think that experience has really affected my art process and in a really positive way. And some of the pieces I do are almost like odes to the tube bender more than anything, you know, they're like, kind of showcasing all of these moments where that person is making this decision with the glass, you know? Um, and yeah, it's just like a, a visual thinking seconds. process too, right? Like a lot, I think a lot of art that we do as a, as, as a collective, you know, if you think of people that make things or even write things, I think some people are visual thinkers and some are kind of more internally inside their own head, but seeing it sort of happen aside from sort of a video is, Largely, I think a huge portion of neon is sort of a, a physicality to it. And then I think from there, you can kind of start to get an idea of what's possible, right? And I think those people can guide you, especially the people who have been doing it long enough, can bring in ideas and thoughts about, you know, hey, well, you wanted to make this, but have you considered this? Or, you know, this this would possibly maybe break or be, you know, not necessarily great, you know, great design, maybe you could, you know, approach it this way is like having that counterpart to, to maybe your idea, your design could really help speed up your process too, and get you closer to where you, you know, want to be basically. Oh yeah. Deeply. Yes. <laughs> On that. I mean, I think I depend so, you know, I'm so, I'm so grateful to the two vendors I work with because I really am drawing on their, you know, career arc of experience to do the stuff that I do. Um, whether it be Shauna just understanding immediately that like, oh yeah, a parabolic arc like that, the glass will be fine. You know, whereas if I'd looked up like the neon, you know, typical install, you'd see like, you need a tube support every three feet, you know? Mm -hmm. But she knew like, oh no, the glass in that particular shape that you've drawn, that will, that will work, you know? That's not something I could have known coming in with, as a novice, you know? And um, I mean, there are so many, like even the folks at Tech 22 who make transformers, you know, um, I end up talking to them pretty in depth uh, about certain aspects of different projects because I use a lot of beading in my work and I'm always using, you know, transformers outside their spec rating, like in a safe way, but you know, I'll use wider glass on a beading transformer than it's spec'd for. And so, you know, you need to add resistors and these kinds of things. Like, I think just really being open and um, like for my personal studio work, like this relationship with these people in the, in the neon world is like, it's like part of my process, but I almost see it as part of my actual art form, you know, like, like for my stuff to exist, I depend so, deeply on this knowledge and these, and these awesome people who are willing to share it and teach me and pass things on, you know, even though I'm not a tube bender too. Yeah. I think so too. <laughs> well, that's, what's unique. I think, 
you know, everybody's definition of what neon is is slightly different. And especially when it comes to, you know, things like what they enjoy or what makes it unique. And that's why it's so important to focus on what, you know, individuals like, because I think it's settling enough that, you know, you can find out what you really enjoy, I guess. How quickly did you find, you know, uh, situations where, you know, you would work uh, with a client, you know, because I do enjoy a lot of site-specific installation, and I like the commercial nature of neon. Some people shy away from that. Some people think it's more artistic, and that's okay. I just like the idea of going into, uh, let's say, a local shop and just seeing neon locally. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a massive installation on the side of a wall or outside the you know storefront. I mean, I, I just enjoy seeing neon inside i don't know indoors i suppose it's what the word is um do you work you know uh more closely with that do you i guess where's i guess do you look for places that you can put neon i get a lot of artists really kind of thinks think about ideas about how they can start their own show but maybe there's alternatives to that that's kind of what i'm getting at i think yeah i mean i think uh there definitely are i mean i you know here in the bay area and at where I'm from in Seattle, you know, I'm sure everywhere there's a community of artists. There are people doing like DIY renegade art shows. Like somebody's got a big space. You set up a bunch of stuff with a group of people. Um, you know, it's not a gallery. No one's paying you. You invite the public with like folding signs on the sidewalk, you know, and I did a ton of shows like that. Um, and I'd use neon in my, my installations once I started working with it, you know, and um, that's, there's always a way to show your work, um, no matter how, I think just a willingness to be open and experiment um, has, has certainly helped me along the way. You know, I'm just kind of like, well, I'm new at this and I'm a small fry, so I'll, I'll put my work anywhere or I'll try anything and just kind of explore. Um, I think once I had the installation at Ritual, at that point, it was out there in a place that got a lot of foot traffic and that led to other opportunities. And, um, and I like the part, I just paused there. It was like other opportunities. A lot of artists try to keep things going on their own. And I think, you know, if, if you look at that example, it's sort of like a lot of, you know, you put the, put the you know, neon in the space and other people saw it and sort of reacted to it. And I like the idea of doing one thing like, you know, the answer to that question would be, you know, artists that can follow up from doing, you know, public installation work could allow for other means and other, other things to take place, you know, just taking that first step, right. Which is kind of difficult when you're making, you know, maybe personal work, but um, just having the ability to go out there and maybe make one and which kind of adds to two and two turns into three, that's always exciting. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what has happened for me is like, you know, one spawned another one, spawned another one. And meanwhile, um, after we did the neon cloud installation, I did all the like up in the ceiling work. Um, and then basically I had to kind of come up with a way to fixture that each neon unit um, because that that was the, the tricky engineering part that I worked on. And it's not the part you see, you know, but I did it like all the I drilled the holes in the ceiling and I had to make sure Shauna's glass fit right in dead center, you know, all, all of those 18 holes. And, um, but after we got through that, you know, she kind of one day was like, Hey, do you want to like do more neon work? And I was like, absolutely. And 
she was like, well, why don't you come over to my shop and I'll, I'll kind of give you the, you know, rundown on how all this works. And she taught me the linear footage chart, um, gave me my first milk crate of old transformers to take home and some old glass units that she'd pumped and then needed to clear out of her racks, you know, to go experiment with. And um, that's another thing that just really helped me tremendously along the way is like having stuff to experiment with, you know. Um, from there, I was able to make my own art pieces. That's what I then used in those kind of like DIY shows that I was still participating in, you know. And I think, so, you know, something like that, I mean, I mentioned earlier too, is, um, you know, finding the settings and, and kind of what you would put in there. I mean, so much of that is formative. Um, I guess, you know, what are, I guess, what are the, some things that you kind of surprised you? Like, were there moments where you were kind of putting in the insulation? Cause ceiling work is difficult. You need a ladder. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with glass. As you know, it's temperamental. It doesn't shift well. It needs to be placed in the right <laughs> location. And then yeah. when you do everything in the ceiling, it just adds a whole nother layer of complexity, which I'm sure a lot of artists, you know, realize, but you know, once you're up there on a ladder, I guess, were there things that surprised you along the way? Any, any crazy stories or things that you would kind of look back on? Oh my, there? yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, learning about electromagnetic interference with digital versus digital transformers versus like other electrical things. Like that uh, if a business has, you know, a refrigerator or maybe a convection oven and that thing kicks on, uh, that can like basically cause a power, like an electromagnetic field interference, basically, that, you know, can affect the digital transformer sometimes. Yeah, that's always fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like basically like learning how to manage like the inevitable witchcraft involved. That's been an interesting journey. Um, but the best crazy story I have is that the morning after Shauna finished installing the glass at the ritual location, there was a 7.5 earthquake in San Francisco and nothing wow. broke. So I feel like that first piece, that's still the best install story. Yeah. Um, although I had a good one the other weekend. Let's see. Last week I went to, uh, I have an installation at a cafe called Pinhole Coffee on Bernal Hill. And um, in a cafe accident, they broke one of the neon units and it's the one that I have beating. And I went back to put in some new resistors to like help the beads show up in that, you know, wide diameter tubing. And um, Jim Rizzo from Neon Works was working on the sign next door. And that was pretty exciting because how often do you have two people working on neon right next door and neighboring addresses, you know? It's pretty cool. Yeah. They yeah. They do some great, great work and uh, obviously a, a major outfit. And then just this story of like, you know, even temperamental things like with an employee who may or break something, which is clearly happened, I think, to anybody who's doing anything in, in industrial or at least in the, the business setting is just managing the kind of the workplace workflow because neon isn't something that really <laughs> lends itself well. It does really good when it can, but I think those are things that design things that I think a lot of people don't think about. Like they see the pretty thing and they're kind of like, Oh, that's nice. But you know, there's all this sort of things that you have to listen to when you're dealing with, with neon and, and installing it, I guess, uh, you know, the, the idea that, you know, one's problems can be kind of outpaced, you know, I think neon is very, 
mentally ingrained in sort of industrial type processes, you know, where one would think that this is instantly just a classic or you can just kind of throw it up there and everyone's going to go ooh and ah is like, is a, is a little bit of a, a, a you know, it's, it's confusing because I think it's easily get to get, you know, forget how fragile this material can be. And then into the next process, you know, you're kind of second guessing yourself because, oh man, I didn't think about this. Like with the success of each one, are, are you realizing like what your next moves are going to be? Are you pouring everything into one specific project or are you kind of juggling multiple projects at once? I think, mm. yeah, how does that work for you? Yeah. I mean, at any given time, I have like a handful of projects going usually. Um, pretty much. So I, I had a full-time job until 2018 and then I actually left my stable employment to strike out on my own as right guy. And since then I've been, you know, I've had continuous work, which is really lucky, even through the pandemic, you know, stuff's still happening. It just changed all of a sudden, but it still was there, you know? Um, so yeah, I usually have multiple projects. Um, and as far as like, finishing one and have it be having it be successful or like you know usually i finish an install and there's like something i go back for you know to adjust at some point um just to kind of you know and so far everybody's in my local area so it's easy for me to check on things or for them to get a hold of me if they need to but I've been amazed at how stable Neon is, I have to say, even in the ways I'm using it, which is often like free hanging or, you know, ex I would say experimental in some cases, like running beating units really close to other ones to try to get those overlapping fields to do something with a piece or, you know, there's an, a level of experimental um, stuff going on with what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I've been amazed at how stable it is even or also too, I was going to ask you is like, you know, how are you, how are you finding ways to be creative in lockdown? I think we haven't oh, I've talked yeah. about a little bit about on the show. Um, a lot of people are really kind of dealing with this, you know, lockdown in different ways, but with artists, is it easy to find creativity? You know, with a lot of these stores not being sort of in person as much as they were before, you know, with everything kind of being to go. I know New York city got hit really hard. Uh, there were just certain places that you couldn't, you know, even wouldn't even be able to open their doors for some quite some time, depending on where you lived in the country. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco has been like that for quite some time. I mean, I don't think we've had indoor anything for a while now. And, um, you know, me personally, I'm taking it really carefully. So I'm kind of avoiding going indoors unless I need to. Um, but I get a lot of to, to go. There's a lot of to go windows set up now um, at different businesses. But Mm -hmm. um, staying creative in lockdown has been an interesting journey for sure. I took two months off pretty much everything. And I just did a little tiny bit of like graphic design work right in the beginning of the pandemic and was actually like in the mountains with, you know, poor internet <laughs> and no <laughs> cell service. Um, and that was wonderful. I think I needed some time like that after having started a business and just to process what was going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And then um, came back to San Francisco and I, I sort of felt this like building backlog of things I wanted to take care of, but was sort of had my hands full with client work. And so 
I actually used another couple months of the summer to just completely remodel my studio, build my dream neon rack situation, like tighten up all the weird loose ends that I had in the room that I'd sort of taken over and started working out of. Mm -hmm. um, how do you decide on that, a how do you decide on a material to consume or is it random like i i really like the freestanding neon you put together recently which is like yeah the, the big flamingo i think it was the big flamingo yeah, yeah i mean it, there's a little <laughs> flamingo coming so so that is a that's kind of a project a project that i left behind in the beginning of 2020 to like take a pandemic time out and it felt so good to complete it and share it with people and um and feel motivated to share because that's another topic you know um i just haven't felt that motivated to outwardly be sharing what i have been working on during the pandemic and um yeah, yeah. the big flamingo is definitely what you said kind of earlier in the podcast like i enjoy indoor neon very much and i think it's kind of an overlooked um you know neon's great indoors it's such fabulous mood lighting and it has this just magical quality that uh you can't beat with colored leds in your lamps it just isn't the same and so i am working on a series of pieces that are meant for like domestic environments you know um the big flamingo is one of those the first one so. Well, I think California too has really been uh kind of a hotbed for neon especially with newer artists coming out um i think it invokes a sense of nostalgia we talked about on the show a lot with certain or uh, certain guests and i think there's a prominent theme in certain areas of the country and especially in the u.s i think california is one of those places um you could say that's true about most larger cities but what is it about that evokes that feeling i guess of a of maybe a nostalgia moment that attracts you do you find people that comment on the neon at all are they kind of do they say things or i guess what have you accrued through that that's interesting so nowadays so i am in san francisco a lot of people who see my work you know i'll have my studio door open or something they don't even understand that it's neon they assume it's led and then i get to like have an educational moment and then at that point they're just like blown away, you know? Um, and I think that's been really interesting to watch people sort of like realize what they're seeing all around them on these storefront signs is this like magical material that is hand sculpted, you know, over fire with breath. Like that. There's so much good of, neon in uh, San Francisco too. That's the funny part. <laughs> Some places don't so have much. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm from Seattle, so I feel very much like steeped in awesome neon having grown up somewhere with, I mean, Seattle's just. Yeah. Amazing. Seattle's got great neon. <laughs> yeah. Another good place. But um, yes. Yeah, so that's probably my favorite thing that happens is when people sort of assume it's plastic and it's led. And then there's this moment where they start to see it for what it is, you know, and really like understand it. Um, the nostalgia factor is interesting because some of my work, I think is not placed in a time, but I do personally feel a lot of influence of historic neon and sort of shapes and things and aesthetics that were like popular at different times, especially the mid-century. Um, from my perspective, that informs my work. I'm not sure if that translates for other people looking at it, but I feel like it's influencing me. Um, like the bean shapes that I use in pinhole, you know, 
those yeah. are very mid-century and yeah there's a lot of good feeling but that's the best part is especially with the museums we we had them on as well most of the major museums in the u.s at least and then what i think is important is that there is a there is a history to what this has done even though it is only a hundred or so years old uh it, it there are big moments in neon and i think what's repurposeful i mean the worst thing is when you hear the word resurgence tried to i mean yeah. there has been a huge moment in time where neon has gone away for good reason you know there could have been historical reasons or uh you know um you know just 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 monetary reasons there's a lot of things that happen with neon but what's really cool is that throughout all of this i think people have kind of it's purposeful. It, it has a long uh, kind of reach, you know, just outside of what we know it as, you know, what's the next big thing, but there's still these moments where people pay attention to it. And that's, that's exciting, because we're sort of distracted from a lot of things, you know, especially with the, the technology and everything sort of being sort of so quick. I mean, you can get something delivered to your house in a day. It's just, you know, even it's amazing that something can be even that you know, can be, can be hold that much attention still. And I think it's exciting to know and, and people still comment on it and share it and take pictures of it. And there isn't a lot that make, makes kind of sense out of that. I think a lot of times people just don't realize it, but that's what you said is that I think through the proficiency of neon and, and these people who will kind of put it out there and expose people to it, it gets people thinking, right? Um, I think that's the difference between indoor and outdoor is that outdoor people are used to it. They're kind of commonly associating with something that's very commercial and very specific. Um, whereas I like indoor, it's kind of a bit of a surprise. You know, you're not expecting it. You're not sure if it's in there or not, but when you walk in, you're kind of, oh, whoa, I didn't expect that. Right. And that's kind of what you had mentioned. I think you alluded to that a little bit too which was, you know, kind of, you can go for a walk, but what if you go, you know, what if you take it indoors? And that was kind of always something that I really enjoyed uh, was just having that, that unique relationship with it, that, you know, it can really kind of go anywhere, you know, it could do. Yeah. <laughs> I really agree. Um, I really do. I think that's one of its major sort of, for me, it's like a, you know, glass is very strong for being so fragile, you know, it really is a durable material and, um, I think just the nature of, of what neon is like, it's, it's so much more flexible, not like physically and technically, but like, uh, conceptually flexible than I think we've even gotten close to exploring. And that's part of what makes me so attracted to it as a medium is like, it's pretty young. Like you said, it's only about a hundred years old, but you know, um, it was, mostly commercial for a lot of its time but then i think now is ter in terms of art forms you know the fact that it did cover basically from the industrial revolution to today's modern point in our sort of like capitalist and consumerist world that is a, a very important screenshot of time in humanity's existence you know like the things that have happened to us as humans since neon became a thing it it's just these have been a big hundred years for us, you know, as a species. And I think it's kind of interesting to look at this one particular, very specific lens and then see all of the things that it sort of has captured in its time existing, you know, 
alongside us. I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so too. But, I think yeah. I never thought about it in that lens, you know, when you said that there was a hundred years and if you can think about what happened in, in you know, American hundred years, it's, you know, we're a barely young country. I think that yeah. you know, people we've had our faults we still are growing and we're still developing. I think even if we are, you know, kind of at the smaller end of the spectrum when it comes to history and things like that. But I think we've learned quite a bit and uh, it's amazing what we've been able to achieve. You know, you look at these things that have kind of been born out of other sciences and other countries and they've been brought over and implemented, you know, and then things that, you know, like I said, we, we haven't forgotten what made us so unique. I think we need to look back on that and, and kind of take pay closer to attention to, to what is, you know, what we've been able to achieve in such a short amount of period of time and focus on the positive things. You know, a lot of negativity is going around and I think neon is one of those unique elements that can, you know, put a smile on people's faces, you know, and I think there's, there's not a lot of things that, that, you know, kind of fit in that category, especially when it comes to glass and, you know, all this you know, interesting science. I mean, people like Randall and Al who put, you know, uh, uh, we talked about, about this before the show is just the neon speaks festival. And, and just so certain artists that have come out of that area, that Bay area, um, are doing some great things, you know, immediately speaking, I think of just a lot of the artists that have, have put a lot of their work out there. And yeah, I mean, it's very, um, it's very interesting, you know, especially what you can take away from it, what's important to convey and what's not, you know, really it's up to the artists, but I think Neon has the final say, you know, it, it, it just, it, it kind of is, is its own thing, you know, and I think that's what's fun about it. Um, is there any, I guess, anyone in your eyes that you want to collaborate with that you're working on, maybe uh, personal or store-wise or things that you're working on now that you can think of that you want to put out oh, there? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I have definitely. And I want to just, you got me thinking about something that's really interesting, which is sort of the, like, the whole arc of history of neon. Um, I think something that drew me to it as an art medium in the beginning was that it's complicated. For me, I actually see like the physical form of neon is so incredibly attractive and I am like all the way a moth, just completely drawn to it. And the conceptual side of it is complex. You know, it was associated with like empty downtowns, you know, basically empty because of white flight and all of the like cultural things that fed into that. And then neon became this like placeholder for it. Um, I mean, there's so many examples in Neon's history of Neon as a photograph or a recording of like what was going on culturally um, at the time. And it being so complicated is one of the things that made me really excited to work with as, as an artist, because to me, it has this depth, you know, it is not, it's, it's just, I find great power in that, in that complexity and um, the ability to sort of explore it and unpack it, you know, like, act up um, the you know group speaking out about AIDS in the 80s. They used a lot of neon in their installations. There's this whole history of neon being used uh, to get attention for things. And some of the things were possibly very problematic. Other of those things were subverting that problematic capitalist angle into this very powerful message. And I, I I can't get enough of that, like, just ongoing conversation. So anyway, I just want to talk about that very briefly, uh, no, or not not I mean, that briefly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we celebrate yeah. these movements. I think what what's yeah. 
what's collectively important is preserving that history. And uh, these are educational moments, I think, in time. You know, it's a yeah. perfect place to mention that is that the contributions of Neon, you know, for better, or for worse, it's been through that history. Uh, and there's interesting stories and notable associations and uh, and deep roots. I think, you know, pivotal yeah. moments and, you know, you talk about civil rights or um, women's rights or, or um, you know, uh, gay rights. I mean, there's a lot of signs that are, are still existing today that have, uh, you know, received a lot of attention for good reason. You know, there's many years worth of uh, you know, re-illumination, you know, they may have gone through re- reiterations, but, you know, they, they meant something at that time. And, you know, uh, I think we can celebrate some of that. Some of it still feels very painful, but there's, you know, signage has been around a long time. Uh, I, mean, I think yeah. it's been demonstrated as early as, you know, 1910, and it really went through the heyday in the thirties. And then you can really walk through the history of neon and some things you'd be proud of and some other parts, you know, like similar to history, you kind of, you know, have to kind of like, you know, sit back and just absorb it because it happened. And, you know, we have to, you know, obviously achieve a better realization for better, for worse. I mean, these are, these are still uh, historical moments in time and, and Neon's been there through the years. I think, you know, we, we really um, should look at that. And, and, and then that's really what you said earlier is that it's not something that's easy. Um, but I think, you know, people that, I think the most unique things are, are never easy. You know, they're always something that's on it. And art is for the most part unattainable. You know, there's this idea that we have in our heads and we try to get to the, <laughs> the higher ground. Um, yeah. You know, and, and from outside of that, I mean, look, from outside of art, I think because people really do think about things, I think looking at your Instagram, I really enjoy a lot of the uh, sort of physical uh, kind of physicality of the neon, especially when it comes to things like uh, certain structures and, and uh, you know, especially when, you know, you put it in the context of larger spaces and you know, anything that you um, are excited to, to, to mention or you want to leave us on, people can find you, Right Guy Design. Yeah, at Right Guy spelled R-I-T-E. Like um, at first I thought I was going to be sort of like a, a, a design and fabrication handyman of sorts. So I branded myself towards that, but I'm feeling pretty good about it as far as uh, fitting my current studio operation. So right guy design is my Instagram and my website too. Um, things coming up. Yeah. I've got um, a big installation on deck. Um, it's, uh, it's about 130 feet wide and it'll be my first you know, permanent outdoor installation. Um, it's going to be on Highway 101 uh, on the side of a building in Santa Rosa. I'm thrilled about that. Um, That's exciting. The, is there, yeah, uh, can it's people big. support it or when does it happen or what can we do to get people to tune in? I mean, pretty much, you know, it's new construction. So they're pouring the foundation next week, I think. And I'll be slowly working on this project over about, I'd imagine about a year before install and um you know you can just follow along and enjoy the process i guess um cool. yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll see some social media stuff going up yeah yeah and then uh i'm you know i'm really trying to trying to round out my collection of you know objects that i can see fitting into people's homes um the big flamingo is the first there's going to be a, a little flamingo which will be a tabletop version of the big flamingo 
Um, and you can I purchase have... these on the website too, right? People can yeah. DM you or go online or DM directly, right? Yeah, pretty much just DM me or, you know, you. I actually have not put the big flamingo up on my website yet, but uh, DM me and I'll, I'll do that probably next week. Cool. Um, yeah, very important. I want people to know that they can get these objects if they like them. So yes, I have that. a series of chandeliers made of each noble gas. Um, those are quite fun. If you've ever wanted to have, you know, an argon chandelier in your uh, in your lounge, you know, um, I have, I have designed a series of, of chandeliers for each one. Um, yeah, all kinds of stuff basically. Awesome. So plenty well, of Laura, Ste Laura, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, please go check out her work, right guy design, Laura Stevenson, uh, wonderful speaking to you and, uh, can't wait to see what comes out. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't believe I get to join the list of people that you've interviewed and hosted so far. So that's awesome. Thank you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.